He had deployments all over the world. So he said that this was my deployment on, you know, for the war on COVID and, and he was there to help and he did. Look, all of, all of our healthcare workers were feeling the same thing. And really all of the frontline providers, whether they were in or outside of medicine, everybody was feeling the same thing. Not only about getting sick ourselves, but even more concerned about what we could bring home to our families. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. your life changed during the pandemic, you still likely have nothing on Dr. Tiffany Osborne. She is a professor of surgery and emergency medicine at Washington University, and she regularly works in the emergency room and the ICU at Barnes Jewish Hospital. The real risk of contracting COVID-19 and giving it to her family is why she moved into an RV parked in her family's driveway. Now, Dr. Osborne recently moved out of that RV for good, and she joins us today to share what she learned and what it's been like back in the family home. So Dr. Tiffany Osborne, welcome. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor to be talking with you today. So take us back to this situation a bit more than a year ago. At what point did you realize this pandemic was going to affect more than just you, that this could be a real problem for your family? Right. Well, um, if we go back to, um, you know, early March, we and say, you know, we all, all of the frontline providers, but those of us here in St. Louis and across the nation were, you know, we'd already seen what had happened in Italy. Mm-hmm. We'd already seen what had happened in China. We'd already seen what had happened in New York. And we were watching our colleagues in New York struggle with lines out of hospitals. And we were seeing, you know, these um, challenges with the number of people who weren't making it out of the hospital. And mm-hmm. we didn't know at that time. We, we just didn't know. We didn't have all of the information. We knew that it was spread by um, droplets. We knew that it was spread by aerosols, but we didn't know exactly how contagious it was. We didn't know exactly all of the modes of transmissibility and the extent to which those modes of tran- transmissibility were going to become um, issues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you remember that the the first uh, SARS-CoV, there, it was spread initially through air vents in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. So we were just not sure what to expect. And my husband and I were trying to, and we had been money for a extension to the ad extension. Um, a trailer in the driveway. Sorry, Dr. Osborne, for some reason, it felt like your connection was going in and out there. If that doesn't clear up, we might have to call you back. But let's let's try if you could just repeat what you just said. You realized you had to maybe consider this driveway option. Right. So uh, we had been saving money and for an extension to the house. And the extension to the house then became a trailer in the driveway. <laughs> so you went out and bought this trailer just for this. Yeah, we bought it the Saturday before we knew that Dr. Page was going to shut down the city. Wow. So your timing there, and man, just hearing you talk about this, it it brings back so many emotions for me, just remembering how terrifying that time was. At that point, was your plan to just live full time in the trailer until this pandemic was over? That was the initial plan. Um, And that plan worked for about six weeks, and I realized that I was going to lose my mind if I was (laughs) staying in the trailer for 
for you know an indefinite period of time. We, we didn't know how long this was going to last, and it became very clear that it was going to last a lot longer than we thought. Mm-hmm. So at the end of that six weeks, um, it, my husband and I reconvened. We had more information to make some informed decisions, and we decided that I would try to bundle all of my clinical time. So all the time that I spent in the emergency department and all of the time that I spent in the intensive care unit, we would bundle that together and I would work all of those days as close to straight as possible, take a few days at the end of it, take a test, and then uh, spend the rest of the month in the house. So how did that translate? I mean, were you working for a couple weeks at a time every day? Oh, yes. Um, I'd probably go anywhere between you know, uh, 14 to 21 days straight. It just depended on the on wow. the month and what was happening. I mean, that feels so stressful working those kind of shifts. So you're just working, working, working. And then you're going home to this trailer where you're by yourself. D- did that get lonely? Uh, yeah, it got very lonely. Um, you know, but I have to say that for, for me... Um, Look, all of all of our healthcare workers were feeling the same thing, and really all of the frontline providers, whether they were in or outside of medicine, everybody was feeling the same thing. Everyone was concerned, not only about getting sick ourselves, but even more concerned about what we could bring home to our families. and And I have to say that I was fortunate. I mean, I was very fortunate because because we'd been saving, I could divert those resources. But there were a lot of people who didn't have that option. I have friends who had to send their children to live with other family members for mm-hmm. months at a time. I had I knew colleagues who had lived in their garage. Um, I had I, so I was actually really fortunate, and I'm very you know I'm very appreciative. Wow. Well, I mean, that's a that's a great attitude to have on it. And and I also have to think your husband must have played a big role in this. Not every uh, parent could step up and do this by himself. Was that hard for him? Oh, yeah. Um, but my husband is like, if you could look amazing up in the dictionary, you would probably have a picture of him. I mean, he is so phenomenal. Um, but, you know, what he would say is that, um, you know, he was a special forces officer and had been deployed to Afghanistan, and mm-hmm. he had deployments all over the world. So he said that this was my deployment on, you know, for the war on COVID, and and he was there to help, and he did. Mm-hmm. He was phenomenal. I mean, he really stepped up. The kids really stepped up. Um, so we were I, I was very fortunate to have that kind of support. I think every mother has probably thought on occasion, man, if I wasn't around, they'd realize just how much I did. Um, did, did you find your kids ended up picking up some of that slack, had had new appreciation for what mom used to handle? That would be yes. My daughter specifically said, you know, she was like, I never realized how much mom did until I had to start doing some of it myself. So um, so there's yes. a silver lining right there. There was a little silver lining there, I'd have to say. So they, they, but they all, everybody pitched in. It was a family effort. So everybody came together and did what needed to be done to try to, um, to, to do what we want, what we needed to for the community. I understand your church community also really stepped up. How were they helpful? You know, the church community was phenomenal. Uh, I mean, um, and, and the community in general was phenomenal. I, you know, you talked about were there days when things got really lonely, and there were definitely days when things were hard, and, and it's that way for everybody. All of the healthcare workers had these days where 
where things got um, uh, where things could be dark and and it was challenging to keep your spirits up and I had people who would send me cards I had um, a couple of kids who drew me this Pokemon um, you know colored this Pokemon thing that said go Dr. Osborne beat coronavirus you know and, <laughs> um, you know, and the and the church had they at one point they had a card for every single day uh, for, for, for like a two-week period that I could come in and open it up. And I would save those for those days that were that were challenging. Hmm, that's so great to hear about that support. Um, at the same time, you know, there have been some other things that have happened in this past year that have been just hard for, for so many of us to process. And um, I know you wrote a journal entry about the day of the Capitol insurrection, that that's a day that really stands out to you in this last year. Um, looking back on that day, uh, why was that such a hard day and, and such an emotional day for you? That was really, I mean, that was really challenging. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of have to put it into the context of the fact that um, that morning we lost a World War II veteran. In your hospital? And in, in, my, in my unit. Mm -hmm. I'd been taking care of him. You know, he, he had survived World War II. He had survived a plane crash in, and... And, but he didn't survive the war on COVID. Mm. And that really struck me. And then, you know, from that, I'd walked in to a family that I'd been taking care of for a while, to a, a patient that I had. And, and, you know, he had family there. And um, they had come in a few times. They'd rushed in in the middle of the night because they thought that they were going to lose him. You know, we, we only allowed one or two people into the, into the room. But this time we knew that we were. And and that room was right next door. It shared a wall with someone I'd been taking care of for a while. And that person, um, I was really, really rooting for him. He'd been doing so well. And then suddenly he wasn't. And I had gone into his room to, because um, we needed a place of breathing tube. And I, he happened to have the the insurrection on his television and I had, I didn't know anything hmm. until I walked in that room and I asked the nurse to get the medications for us and I looked up and I was like what is going on and when I realized what was happening you know so many things came back into my mind about you know my husband leaving for Afghanistan and um, what that was like and the fact that when he was leaving I was you know um, eight months pregnant nine months mm. pregnant somewhere in that range and what it was going to be like if he didn't come home and you know I thought about when my um, when my uncle had served in you know Korea and World War II and I, it, just so many things um, that, that were coming into my mind at the time and you know that I think that it sort of summed it up when I remembered the what was on the Korean War Memorial, which was, you know, freedom is not free. And so many people in my family, including my own, per you know, my immediate family, we, we sacrificed a lot for our country, and we did it willingly with a sense of contribution. And we didn't do it for that. And it was so challenging at the time. It, there were so many emotions that I was processing that and everything that was happening within that unit. And it just, all of it combined was a, a lot to handle because 
when we were losing these people whose lives touched so many all around me that day. And then it just made what I was seeing on the television feel that much more wrong. Mm. And so that day really, really stood out to me. And so that day, I mean, that sounds like such a hard day. You went home and, and you were there in this trailer. Did you just long to reach out to your family members? I did. Um, I did. It, I, I, I really, to be honest, I mean, I just kind of, I went home and I, I, I just cried. I was like, wow, I, this is, this, what's happening to our country? And then I stopped. <clears throat> I stopped and I thought, that is not what our country is. Mm. What our country is, is all of the healthcare providers who, and, and, you know, people in and outside of medicine, right? They're like scattered sparks of light, you know, mm. everyday people in and out of medicine, creating good with what they have, strength, integrity, civility, kindness, people who were coming together and standing shoulder to shoulder to do what they needed to do for the community. That's what America is. That's, that is who we are. And so I realized that um, this was a very challenging time, but I didn't want to make that in my mind be what I thought America was, it, because it's not. Hmm. That's a small group. America is all of those people all, all of those people who come together to do the right thing at the right time with what they have and how they have it. And um, that's, that's what I ended up thinking at the end of the night that night. After a lot of alcohol, I didn't <laughs> <say> that. <laughs> alcohol can lead to good revelations. Boy, that description you just gave of America just gave me the chills. I think I'm going to write that and, and hang that up on my desk to remind me. I, that optimism just, just makes me feel better about this country. And speaking of optimism, I promised people here this was a story with a happy ending. Um, that yes. was in January. When were you able to move back in with your family for real, not just for these these brief spurts between long shifts at work? Well, after getting the second part of my vaccine and waiting my two to three weeks afterwards, so that was uh, end of February. And um, we then sold the trailer the first week of March. You sold it to, that fast. <laughs> yes, we did. We sold it to my pastor. Oh, wow. And did they have a specific plan for it or just one oh, it yes. They, nope, they had a very specific plan. She asked me at one point, my, uh, my pastor came over to visit one day, and she said, are you guys planning on taking this out for uh, vacation when you're done? And I said, you know, as appreciative as I am of this trailer, um, I will be just as appreciative when I get the opportunity to sell it because of everything that it represents. And, um, and, I, and I do have to say that I'm very happy and appreciative to be home with my family, and um, but I, I still have to remember and think and recognize all of those people, including 3,600 healthcare workers that that didn't make it home to theirs. And but um, we were very excited to be able to provide my pastor with the trailer, and so she and her husband bought that and. Uh, and now they have it out on a piece of land in front of a lake, and 
you know, there may be times where I tell her that we'd like to come and visit that lake in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. And in the meantime, you're back with your family. I know everybody really appreciated you while you were gone. Now that you're back home, are they still pitching in to help? Uh, well, um, they're allowing <laughs> That's a long me. Pause there. <laughs> <laughs> they're allowing me the opportunity to um, fall back into my previous role. So, uh, <laughs> they, everybody's doing a great job. To be quite honest, I mean, I I couldn't be prouder of of my family and their sense of contribution and. You know, they're feeling that if they supported me, they were supporting our community, and and that's what we felt it was all about. What's been the best thing about being back at home? Oh, there's so many, um, but but I would say um, the things that I enjoy the most is you know being able to sit on the couch, put my head on my husband's shoulder, and you know him. He does this thing where he plays with my plays with my hair, and so. You know, being able to do that, being able to get a hug and a kiss when I want, being able to sit down with my son and next to him and help him with his homework, not over Zoom. Uh, the ability to, um, you know, just for us to just be together. That's, that's, been, that's been such a fantastic piece, you know. I, I've really appreciated our, the way we can be together. Well, Dr. Tiffany Osborne, um, I'm so glad that you're able to have that again. And I thank you so much for joining us today and and sharing this story. Thank you so much for having me. And also thank you for everything that you do. I, I can't tell you how many times some things that have come up that were misinformation about COVID and and hearing you being able to correct that has just really meant the world to a lot of us who are on the front line. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for saying that. You've, you've touched all of us here on, on our team today. Um, and thank you again. Uh, so Dr. Osborne is a professor of surgery and emergency medicine at Washington University. She also works uh, at Barnes Jewish Hospital, in the emergency room, and the ICU. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.